आई वी एम वेलकम टू एब्सोल्युटली राइट आई एम योर होस्ट अदिति सुराना एज मेनी ऑफ यू नो अ मेजर पार्ट ऑफ माई वर्क एज अ ग्राफोलॉजिस्ट एंड हाई परफॉर्मेंस कोच इज रूटेड इन अंडरस्टैंडिंग आइडेंटिटीज इनर कॉन्फ्लिक्स एंड इमोशनल जर्नीज आर गेस्ट टूडे जम्प्स राइट इन द डीप एंड ऑफ द पोल बाय स्पीकिंग अबाउट सम अनअवॉइडेबल इमोशनल चैलेंजेस दैट वी ऑल आर एक्सपीरियंसिंग इन दिस लॉकडाउन परमेश शाहनी इज एन ऑथर the vice president at godrej industries a passionate advocate for lgbtq inclusion in corporate india and the founder of the award winning godrej india culture lab his first book gay bombay was released in 2008 and re-released in june 2020 he is currently excited about his second book queeristan lgbtq inclusion in indian workplace which is releasing this month Today's unedited and unfiltered conversation is exactly how my coaching sessions take place. In today's episode we discuss what level of identity crisis a person goes through while exploring their sexuality. How can you and I contribute to the journey of someone who is coming out to an Indian family? Trust which is an important part of any relationship can become a root cause of our relationship complications. How does that happen? and a twisted one what makes hope positivity and trying to get out of the problem counterproductive parmesh is known for stirring the pot taking pride in his work with the pride community and holding some uncomfortable conversations that people prefer to avoid he will join us on the other side of this short break stay tuned Hello everybody welcome to another amazing week on the IVM podcast network if you're not following us on social media please do we're IVM podcast on Twitter Facebook and Instagram we'd like to thank our sponsors this week Paytm money So it's been a really, really fun week this week. We've had a great episode with Anand Nilakanth Pant Cyrus says Anand was one of the writers of Bahubali, and uh, yeah, it's done some really, really fun stuff since that. Ashish Vidyarthi also had a really good episode on his show, Begin the Journey. Please do check that out. You do know Yudha is back, right? Definitely check it out if you haven't. Yudha is our show about Indian ancient warfare. It's hosted by Anirudh Kanishetty and Aditya Ramnathan. Really, really great show. You should check that out for sure. And oh yeah, I forgot. Rishikesh was on the network as well. He was on absolutely right with Aditi Sarana. Do definitely check that out. With that, let's get you back to the show. Hi Parmesh, I am so happy to have you on the show. You know, I've been watching your work. I've been reading about you. I've uh, watched uh, some of the interviews with some different experts. Also, you were on IBM podcast in the past. So, welcome again to IBM. Welcome for the first time to Absolutely Right. So, how are you doing? I'm doing. Um, it's up and down. It's been a very strange pandemic, and it's been. Um, I mean, I, you know, I almost never know because each day I go through so so many feelings and emotions, and just yeah. um, trying to make sense of it all. You know, um, just seeing how it's played out all over the world, um, particularly in our country, seeing the response, uh, just seeing the. the horrific human cost of the pandemic across multiple dimensions um and seeing how it has furthered inequalities in so many ways um but also seeing the heroic individual response of just so many individuals you know i work a lot on lgbtq um, yes. uh, diversity and inclusion and just seeing so many young queer activists 
um, just rise up and whether it's you know work on covid relief um, whether it is create new forms of solidarity uh, uh, you know i so it's it's you know in terms of that it's been up and down you know hope and despair hope and despair almost every day but even in terms of say work yeah even in terms of my work um, even in terms of my personal life um, it's been a very turbulent i mean you know like it seems like a lot of the things you know including say <laughs> in my own life you know a lot of the things that one had kind of based my life on pre pandemic um, you know the past few months have kind of uprooted and are making me question um some of these are not of my own choice so it's been quite interesting in terms of just how to cope um with all these feelings as well um, mm-hmm. um and the third is that i've you know during the course of it finished um this book called queerestan which is going to be coming out in august so which is your second book August. which is your second book after yeah. gay bombay oh wow yeah so the and the gay bombay anniversary edition released in june so it's been it's been wow. it's been nuts trying to make sense of work and feel relevant personal life trying wow. to wow. roller coaster uh, indeed yeah every day every day um but where i gravitate towards is um i just been trying to just be you know in whatever way i can as hopeful and optimistic and positive as i possibly can i've um, started seeing a therapist again after years wow. and i think this is what a lot of us do when times are good we kind of coast and don't you know kind of ignore mental health also when we are in a crisis moment we reach out um, so that's been useful to me because to say that you know i need to focus on it all the time not just when the shit hits the fan <laughs> so oh, thank you for saying uh, this because because me- mental wellness yeah. is kind of optional in our world right it's like i see i see people giving way more importance yeah. to physical health and diet but mental diet is is ignored most of the time so thank you for making that point yeah so i i want to ask you something uh, about your journey about how you have built the kind of movement specifically that you have and being the inspiration that you are to so many people you haven't done it by telling people that you have figured it out or you have your answers you have actually done it by saying that these are my problems and this is where it hurts and i really like that approach i find that is so powerful and also you know it's like when you have the answers you are like the go to person but when you don't have the answers and you're still suffering and and dealing with it coming uh to an open platform and publicly talking about it is way tougher so so share something because i see people really struggle to do exactly that they feel i will talk about it when i have an answer and they just don't land up talking about it ever their issues and their problems no so it's i mean that's just so i said i've always been um quite uh comfortable in with ambiguity i've always um been very very uh, um uh you know open about uh you know the fact that one is always questioning and i think it's really helped me with my own research both for gay bombay and khairistan both are 
you know, similar books in the sense that both are ethnographic, both in terms of, you know, anthropological research within spaces, but also they're auto-ethnographic that I look right. at my own self and reflect. Um, right. I think both these journeys have been, you know, have been very good because when you approach um, a space with not knowing um, and you share that vulnerability with others, people open up more um, um, to you. And I think even in terms of work, when I look back at, you know, everything I've done, whether it was many years ago, Fresh Lime Soda, whether it was the India Culture Lab now, um, whether it was, you know, spaces like the Convergence Culture Consortium that I helped my professor, Henry Jenkins, start at MIT. We always began with this process of not knowing, sharing with the world and showing the process to the world of how this comes about. And I think because of that, we found collaborators, we've attracted collaborators, we've attracted amazing um, colleagues and teammates. Uh, and so the journey itself has kind of become, you know, a fundamental part of, 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 of the experience. So I think that's been, it's been especially useful with the culture lab because we don't have an end point, right? It's an ongoing conversation to right. understand what it means to be modern in India. Um, and also, uh, so many people from different, yeah. so many people from different walks of life from all, all around the world have been part of this journey. So you know, I was uh, reading somewhere, and you said everybody can become a part of uh, Culture Lab. How can we be, be a part of it? Like, what what is the concept? How can we learn about it? What what can we do? So right now, the Culture Lab is all online. So any, I mean, everyone could be part of it. Even before, but now that's the only way you can be part of it, um, literally, because um, it's, you know, it's the ninth year of our existence. And for most wow. of our life, we have been both a physical space in Mikroli, in which we had lots of events, and an online space, which is our website, our social media, whether it's, you know, Twitter, Insta, YouTube, and so on. And the... Uh, the aim is to have conversations around contemporary India, which people are not having. So right. just like what you are doing, say, with your show, right? Or so many of the other parts. Um, so what are the issues that people are not talking about? Whether it's issues around identity, whether it's issues around, um, you know, gender, sexuality, whether it's rural and urban Indianness and the, and the circularity between them, whether it's media, uh, you know, what is not being covered. But whether it's issues like caste or food or um, the environment, uh, you know. Uh, so we and we see the news. We see like so much nonsense going on in the news all the time. Meanwhile, there is this almost parallel India, um, which is kind of being underrepresented. Um, so the aim of the culture lab was very much to have conversations around this. part of the world that otherwise we ignore or we can afford to ignore otherwise. You know, uh, one of the things uh, that you, you keep talking about is, uh, is about identity. And I, I really feel from my work in understanding people through handwriting, uh, understanding how they project themselves in the world through their signatures, I have come across these conflicts every now and then. So, you know, people struggle to hold on to their identities when 
they are confused about the external world where they're confused about their career choices and there's so many compromises they're making in your world in your case the the conflict began with identity from from within and i think all of us have that but it in its pronounced and it is really really loud so i wouldn't ask you the typical question about how was your journey i won't do that but if somebody is on that process and i know some of our listeners are struggling to share their preferences or their journey with their parents or uh, the family is in denial so what would you suggest to somebody who's young and wanting to claim their identity and in whichever way in lgbtq in whichever way where should they begin the process what can they do so i think this is true for 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 every aspect right but i think for a lot of young people uh they are not able to see the long term view of the world um and this is actually true for a lot of older people as well right i'm 44 and i've been going through this crisis now and i seem to think oh god you know this is happening now right but you know <laughs> the world is you know i mean it's very 44 is, is not old okay so if you claim 44 old i think many people will have issue with that one so yeah okay uh <laughs> I feel I feel old at forty four often, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think I don't think it's very old for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people maybe in their teens or in the yeah in their twenties, um, they think that you know they're not able to see the long term perspective, and so I think like one advice would be to really think that to tell people that life is really long and you don't have to figure it all out right now. like a lot of anxiety comes from feeling that you have to do it here and now otherwise dot 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 yeah. you know um, so patience but it's again it's hard to give this advice because young people are not patient i mean that's one of the characteristics of being young, being young. Being um so how can you have yeah, how can you have that sense of patience and a longer term perspective um the second is i would say really really I think uh while it is certainly been true for me and for so many other queer people that I know um I think coming out is a, is a completely personal um and um individual decision you make so no one should force you or pressurize you into being you know out or anything that you may not want to be um coming out was helpful for me personally because it liberated me it relieved me from the tension of hiding you know a, a large part of who i am and i can focus all that energy on being fabulous in other dimensions because otherwise a lot of that energy yeah. is focused on hiding um and that and this is certainly been true of other queer people who have come out and shared and you know try to live meaningful productive lives but i recognize that for a lot of people coming out may not be an option um they may not have families which may or may they may think they don't have families which understand them or they may be in you know in, in environments which are physically very impossible to navigate and coming out might be a threat yeah. to their life um or they may just not be ready to have that conversation so i just you know i think coming out is a to other people is a personal choice and you have to do it whenever you feel you are ready 
um, a lot of people wait till they get a job and they are financially secure, and right. I would say rightfully so because you know parents in general and Indian parents in particular, um, Indian parents in particular are extremely able of uh, to do all kinds of manipulation. Saying if you do this, I will. If you don't do this, I will not pay your fees. Or if you do this, you know. And there are enough stories of mothers of mothers faking heart attacks and forcing their children to do state marriages. No, this is not. It's not funny because then their lives have been ruined of their of their queer children. Oh my right? god! And then, like the moment the marriage happens, they, they get up out of bed and say, "Now it's over." Oh really? You got your child oh married, and like you know, what a disaster! So I, I think I, if people I don't want to come out if they don't. my my father when i told him that i want to become a graphologist and he was an artist himself he didn't agree with the choice he asked me to leave the house i was 18 and a half and i had to support my education so that whole manipulation he thought i would yeah. give up on my crazy aspect of it only because he is putting the the force there i know parents are really capable of doing that so, so i would say a lot of for a lot of young queer people you know your reality more but whether Whether you are coming out to the world or not, you need to come out to yourself. You need to acknowledge to yourself that you are who you are, and you're valid, and you're beautiful, and you're fine. I mean, you know. And if you are not feeling fine, you will get fine um, as you go through the journey of life. So I think that is my first thing. Have a long-term picture. Um, don't pressurize. Don't pressurize yourself to do anything. You know, for you the immediate. the second the main, yeah but the other thing is that there is now an incredible community of queer support all across the country not just in cities so if you are in ahmedabad there are groups like queer abad if you are in kerala there is queer ala you know uh, based out of uh, kochi and you know other cities in kerala wow. if you are in manipur there is ya or if you are in uh, lucknow there is the avar queer festival you know if you are in so my point is wherever you are in the country there are now queer support groups if you are in raipur um, there is a chatisgarh oh, yeah. lgbt group which organizes pride marches and you know support and things like that right so one of the things i've done at the end of queerstan is i've given a list of our 200 resources for young queer people wow. saying find help wow you know i'm you know mental health support yeah. i was Sorry. part of yeah. i i was uh, my sister is an actor and she was performing at the uh, the pride parade in bombay and i went to see her performance and i i waited for the the whole pride other performances and when the kids and people there were speaking about the kind of challenges that they go through i was in tears i think that was it was so powerful and in yeah. the kind of uh, battles to have basic human rights and thank you so much parmesh for doing the work that you do because awareness is the beginning to that journey and if more so people resources that's my point yeah for so people that's to walk so that path right now yeah use those resources tap into them you are not alone i mean if there is one message that you know we have to tell young queer people is you are not alone is there anything that we are doing to the for the parents who are who are struggling to accept this decision is there any help for parents to understand and change their perspective there's lots of help there are a lot of parent groups there is swikar which is a oh, group of parents for children yeah um 
and what a beautiful word right swikar is accepted um, so swikar is there and it has like i think more than 100 parents across the country oh, and yeah. other parts of the world um there are so many uh, qualified therapists who you know parents can go to there are so many resources that have been produced uh, as guides for parents and so, so there's lots out there that's my thing and like you know i would say it's actually from the time when i grew up right and there was no internet where you know uh you had no to look at the world no in a dictionary and like also also didn't have any support system and 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 today is much yeah. Yeah. i can't say much easier because every person has his or her own journey but it is possible to to find the sources and find ways to come out on the other side so yeah. parmesh yeah. now uh, over to you i want to ask you this question which is the the part of absolutely right what would you like me to talk about you based on your handwriting i already have your handwriting sample so whatever comes to your mind no question is uh, you know off limits for us so right now i've been ha- having a crisis of confidence on multiple levels you know as i told you earlier as well right in terms of i think so many of the fundamentals <laughs> which i based my life on uh have now shown themselves to be constructs <laughs> or yeah. just frameworks and not absolute truths uh so what i want to talk about is gravitating towards like you know hope um and the second is also i think you know for me personally where um uh, i'm seeing all around the world it's not and i'm saying this kind of despair is not just coming from my own personal life although i think that's a big contributor i'm seeing the same sense of because what i am seeing in say personal life which is it's so much easier for people to destroy rather right. than work at and build um uh, because you know destruction is easy and sexy and gets over soon whereas building takes years and you know um i'm seeing that same kind of thing being replicated yeah so i'm seeing that replicated all around me in the world whether it's in the queer movement which is having conflict whether it yeah. is in um i mean you know uh in in, in corporate india also in corporate india like today uh, in the morning i read mr ratan tata's quote where he said if companies are going to lay off people in this period it shows their lack of empathy in the whole process in you know overall and that's yeah. exactly i agree with you destroying and and saving yourself from the problem at the cost of the others is what you are talking about it just so my yeah so my conflict is 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 yeah it's just this that i have been trying to deal with right so at a personal level and at like all around me how can i gravitate more towards you know the building and the you know the positive when the forces of uh, on the other side are so strong and how do i but in this process how do i uh, not lose parts of who i fundamentally am uh, so you know i <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Complete sense. But it sense. seems that in my life, whenever I've kind of tried to, you know, whenever yeah, I'm a pacifist and I kind of try to 
you know keep things together but you know at what cost so i've been just trying to grapple with this at this moment and i don't know if any of that is revelatory in my writing but uh yes it is and and specifically when you ask a question that has so many nuances and parts to it it, it gives me so much to speak about so the first thing that comes to my mind is you know it's my my one of the the concepts that i work a lot around is when things get tough instead of trying to get make them easier make them more comfortable what if we understand that this is a process to question and reinvent everything so when you're saying that okay when i'm questioning my constructs and if i look at them and if i and let go of them what would i be left with if that could be one way of trying to hold on to something what if we intensify this what if at this point you say okay it hurts but instead of trying to make it easier what if i walk into it to the deepest corner and if things that are not not going to work with me in the future i might as well drop them today i might as well relook at them today really painful and i understand but where i'm coming from is wanting to hold the space for hope wanting to look at things to be better sometimes becomes pressurizing wanting to get out of it is is our way of not acknowledging where it hurts you know someone wrote it very beautifully this uh, poet victoria erickson she said if you want the broken glass uh to not trouble you tomorrow it's very important that you acknowledge it right now let it hurt a bit do that process but clean it wipe so that tomorrow you don't have to walk on the broken pieces again now the same thing is applicable to our emotions so right now when it hurts and all of us are experiencing that despair at so many levels now when it when it is happening let's not try to fix it let's kind of try to experience it for what it is and as we would walk into it we will be also i feel we reveal parts of us to ourselves that are otherwise hidden unacknowledged and lost only in our conclusions so when you say i'm questioning my constructs my question to you is were they constructs or were they conclusions something that you repetitively kept looking for and then built enough information and data around and with emotions we do that a lot we have a belief and we want to believe that that is the truth for us and we keep uh, repeating and acknowledging with that if i may use the word confirmation bias we look at the relationships we look at our emotions we look at people and we believe because i trust you you will behave in certain manner because i am so uh, invested in you know in this process you will also reciprocate so it's not that we are not aware all along we are aware we, we keep seeing these parts it's just that we don't want to acknowledge them only because the conclusion of trust conclusion of hope conclusion of positivity at times blinds us from what it is and that becomes a shocker after some time when we are like but i didn't see this coming now we all know this every breakup every heartbreak every problematic situation has always taught us that we were aware it just that we acknowledge we didn't choose to look at it for what it is we said okay one day tomorrow you know uh, not now this is this is beautiful so i think this lockdown and this overall pause on the world 
has lifted all those veils that we were tightly holding and holding closer to our hearts and now we are like oh my god i have to see it for what it is and it is not as pretty as i thought yes but but you know like you are poetic in your approach in so many walks of your life permission that is one of the reasons why emotions and the process that we are talking about is also becomes poetic not real but poetic poetic i'm using the word very carefully because you layer the reality with your interpretation of it and it makes it so meaningful and it's so beautiful like that having said that there is a gap between the actual truth and and the the poetic nature and i'm saying that from your handwriting where you've been you have done that all along you have really and you know that also professionally helps you so much because you come up with that most unexpected perspective on the most complicated problems you will look at things because you have your poetry going on and you would see the perspective which other people cannot imagine all at all like that's not available to them now same aspect which works very well for us professionally at times personally gets to us because it is not the perfect match over to you yeah um <laughs> ஜெனரலிப்பிசன்ஸ்ட்டைம் to come to these pointed observations but i'm going to jump in and say them for what they are okay i feel there is a space where uh, there's a there's a behavioral pattern that i see where you go back and you relive some moments again and again positive exciting beautiful fulfilling and also otherwise when you relive these moments you are actually recreating the mental space as a choice it feels as if it is happening to you and in this period is happening a lot and you think you know i get all these thoughts and we are choosing our thoughts and our emotions all the time it's not easy to disengage especially with the kind of attachment that you function from you're you're there and you're 100% involved or you're not there but that takes a lot for you you know being not there takes a lot out of you i wouldn't say even from you out of you to make that choice so when you say you constantly try to find the harmony and the balance in the situation is also to protect yourself from that hurt and that you know how tough it is for you to let go so i wouldn't give you the, the generic concept oh let go i won't say that i don't believe in such things but i would say when you are indulging and when you are imagining and when you are reliving the moments you have a choice of being slightly removed from the situation i wouldn't say completely but slightly removed and you know a moment at a time one of my favorite examples or stories to tell you is imagine a, a honey bee walks into an art museum she looks at something on the wall and she gets attracted to it this bright yellow flower looking thing 
And as she starts flying towards it, believing that that's her food, she feels all these dusty, moldy, uh, you know, uh, particles coming at her. And she's like, what is this? Why is it like bothering me so much? Why is it not fun? So someone picks her up, pulls her 10 feet away, gives her human brain. And in that moment, she suddenly sees that yellow bright thing was a beautiful painting made by Rabindranath Tagore. Old paintings. It was dusty and moldy, but it's a beautiful painting. So when, when she looks at the same situation that was so difficult and so overwhelming from slightly different perspective, or I would say distant perspective, the, the experience changes. So what you're experiencing right now, yeah. I know it's, it's like, you know, emotional uh, sea and all the waves feel so real. But we can't do it at once. But if we do it slightly, a step at a time, but you say, okay, I know I'm walking down this path and I'm imagining the situation. And you have vivid, colorful imagination. So every detail comes alive and you really walk into it as if you are in that scene again. And, you know, as if you're re-watching it on, on the television and a huge screen. I won't say television, like, like, like the full cinema screen. Now, when that happens again and again, it's really difficult to walk away from it. So I would say, let's begin by making a slight shift that when you are engaging, when you are in that zone, asking yourself, what would the honeybee do? What would the honeybee see? So slight distance will be really, really helpful. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to follow this up right away. <laughs> Any other question you have that you would like me to speak about? Um, you know... I mean, where I am right now, it's all existential. So my questions are also completely existential, at least where I am sure. at this point in my life. Sure. Um, and I must say, before you ask me the question, I must say congratulations. Very few people get this existential crisis again and again in their life. And if you are one of them, this is amazing. Like you will realize on the other side, which we all of us have again and again experienced. It hurts. It's painful. It's unbelievably undesirable but it is always worth the process so congratulations yes over to you <laughs> so my thing has always been and i think off late it's been uh and it's this whole ikagai thing right that everyone has been talking about off late but also you know, I think when I started my life my career everything it was very much about going on the journey um, but I think somewhere along, um, I began to make choices based on what I kind of felt the world needed me to do more. Um, so give, to give you an example, when I started my PhD program at UPenn, but I chose to leave it for a, for a bunch of reasons, but I also felt that I would be better served, I would be better serving the world by doing something like the culture lab, right? Which is bringing right. people together. So maybe digging deeper to pursue knowledge that I want for seven years might not be the best thing for the world. And how can I use my background and skills okay. to, in some sense, uh, you know, add Make value the to the world, the better place. Yes. Yeah. I know it sounds like very naive and idealistic, but I've kind of for the past, you know, uh, 20 years operated with, you know, with my life, with my choices, with everything else. Um, but again, I think now 
you know, especially in the past few months, I really began to think of, um, you know, is it okay to kind of maybe pause and do what one, what one wants for one's own self? And what would that mean? Um, uh, because I think I've kind of forgotten <laughs> uh, or not paid attention to that. Uh, so that's where also, but, you know, um, this sense of responsibility, I don't know whether it's, um, I don't know what it stems out of, but the sense of, almost the sense of obligation that I have to be, you know, useful to the world at large. Maybe it's guilt at having had, um, you know, um, the kind of educational background or, you know, the kind of experiences and opportunities that I'm, that I'm carrying around a lot. Um, but I don't know, but I kind of feel like, so I guess the other existential point is this, right? At what point does one, how do you achieve this balance between the world and oneself? So Parmesh, I would have agreed with you that the sense of responsibility is uh, stemming out of guilt if you wouldn't have been this person any which way. So as a person, when you, if not now, when you're in a position of authority and influence, but much before, even as a kid, if you saw somebody could get benefited by what you can offer, you were the first one to do that. So I feel it is not like actually something that you did out of specific thinking and, and you know, a sense of social responsibility. I rather look at it and especially looking at your writing, it is an extension of who you are as a person. You believe in if I can, if I can bend backward a bit, uh, and if I can avail something to someone that otherwise is, you know, not available to that person, I will do it. Now, in the process, you've bent backwards so much that now it is difficult for you to get up and be comfortable in your own space, which I understand. And this is what you're feeling at this point in time. Probably it is yeah. not about the work. Probably it is about uh, feeling empty as a as a class so when we feel empty it's very difficult for us to give anything to anybody but when we are feeling overflowing and when we have so much to offer then you know whatever people get we don't we don't care about it but at this point in time i would say a step at a time don't get into this existential question right away because let's understand that sometimes we don't have the bandwidth to give anything we want to really uh, nurture and get our balance or our energies up and then we can decide whether I want to give or what I want to give and how I want to go about it. At this point in time, I'm very, very happy that you acknowledge that this time requires some attention. So it's like being in, in ICU at this point in time. You don't have to think about how fast you're going to run and how you're going to you know, give something to the next runner uh, once you finish your bit. Let's first think about just getting up and walking a bit and like walking in your room and let's let's have smaller moment by moment goals and like that that idea will will emerge but we can do that we can give only when we have uh the heart filled with things we want to give without that empty hearts and right now let's acknowledge you know like i feel as a coach like every time i feel every session every conversation is a both way process it's not like I'm telling you something. I'm learning so much right now in this moment. 
and you know whatever it's a, it's a two way process every single conversation but when i feel empty when i feel that i don't have anything left for myself that time pretending to play a role is doing injustice to you or the other person i'm speaking with and that is the score i have to take all the time right now not feeling like giving is probably an indicator just an indicator that is showing you that oh your fuel tank is empty right now that indicator does not mean what you'll do tomorrow when your tank is full right now it is empty and you don't feel like giving so i would not have uh, conclusive remarks on that i would say okay it's a process i need to reach a point where i then regain my my overall way of doing you know going about my life and then i may reach the second stage where i think about or rethink or go down the path of questioning it but most we we do this once one thing is going out of our control we put everything in that same basket which is not not true and not true for you for sure so yeah, yeah. so i'm going to ask you a last Thank question from most welcome i'm so happy i'm such a beautiful open expansive conversation thank you so much for being so available and willing to to have this so nice uh my my last question to you is what are your go to mantras you know like when uh things go really really tough what do you tell yourself like you know what has worked for you in the past how did you navigate through it I know it's an ongoing process. All of us on this navigation, all along. It is that what has worked for you in the past. Um. So you know, I read this very interesting book called The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. I don't know. Have you read it? No, I haven't. I'm going to uh, think of it. I'm making a note right away. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I mean. there's a metaphor there which is really really very good that i found useful um and they talk about the subconscious mind and like an elephant and they talk about the conscious mind like the person who rides the elephant and uh, i mean you know in the whole book i kind of you know it says that you know it's very easy um at this point because the elephant is so much bigger and more powerful than you um to let the subconscious mind take over but then you know it's um, it's not going to be healthy at all so i mean one of my mantras when i go this is that to say remind myself that i have to you know i have to ride the elephant <laughs> um and that, i i am you know, i am in the driving seat towards yeah 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 um and it's i mean it's not like saying it doesn't mean you'll feel it <laughs> although just saying it so that space of going towards that um um what i also have recognized is that so instead of uh you know re- instead of just recognizing that i'm not alone and you know uh, i think that's also been very useful as a mantra because yeah. um i don't need to in any conflict right i have friends who i call i have you know, so just recognize that i'm part of a larger universe um you know which uh so that's also been really really um helpful and it's been helpful because also what's been really helpful is that kind of feeling that i've been there before so you know when i was in graduate school 20 years ago right 20 <laughs> um i struggled with depression 
Yeah, you know, I struggled with depression. I saw a psychiatrist. I was on meds. Um, I saw a counselor. And since then, I mean, you know, I've been, you know, I've I've seen therapists a couple of times, right? So um, I think over time it gets easier as well as harder both because it gets uh, easier because you kind of know what to do um, to kind of pull yourself back together. So in my case, you know, whether it's walking, physical exercise, chocolates, you know, all these things kind of work. Um, right. It also gets harder because it's like, oh no, not again. <laughs> like, yeah, because you also know how, how uh, deep it can go that you have to walk back and you have to be rebuild it. I, I hear you. But so I guess one of my mantras is that I've been here before and like this too shall pass. And yes. if that makes any sense because I've been it here does. before. Um, yeah. um, but what really helps is is um, is looking at inspiring people around me who have um, who are really doing incredible work with so many less resources. So yeah. I guess guilt tripping myself has had always tends to work tends to work. Where I say, come on, <laughs> stop if feeling they can, so I bad. Also. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I'm a little speck in the universe and there are people all around doing so much more amazing stuff. So shut up and, and like, <laughs> uh, and that's also tended to help. <laughs> okay. So, so if not dark chocolate, we can go through guilt tripping to figure out the way out. I, I like that as a, as a final note. Thank you so much, Parmesh. This was so beautiful. I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope our listeners also get as much you know the intense realizations the way we have in this process so thank you so much for being on the show thank you for just for doing what you do and just for your kindness and empathy it's 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 thank i you. wish more and more people had this thank you. thank you so many of us set ourselves on fire to keep other people warm i know we do that out of love compassion and care but we do not realize that in the process we are getting depleted and we can't carry on like this. As a result, we grow resentful and start holding that anger against the other person. We feel hurt and we cannot forgive. In the last few weeks, so many of you have asked me around this topic of forgiveness and what makes it so tough to forgive. Let's explore this topic on our Friday episode this week. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Absolutely Right. I'm keen to know what were your takeaways from this conversation with Parmesh. What small actions will you be taking today to improve something in your life? Do share your experience and send your questions to me on my Instagram handle at Aditi Surana. To know more about my work, you can visit aditisurana.com. If you like this podcast, then don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on IBM Network. You can listen to us on the IBM Podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Let's connect on Friday. Till then, happy writing! Namaskar, this is Ashish Vidyarthi. Yes, my friend, these are challenging times, but in these challenging times, we can create something extraordinary. Do take time to listen to my podcast, Begin the Journey, available on the IVM Podcast, website, app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, we have a great opportunity called life. Cheers.
guys, this is Ayushi and I am Ritasha. And welcome to Agla Station Adulthood. It's a fun podcast we've got going on and we'd love for you to tune in and enjoy with us. Join us as we stop at various stations and discuss different topics that seem to be bothering us and hopefully Dating, you as relationships, well. Relationships, beauty, just being an adult, lots of different things. We don't have a great grip on it, but we've done okay so far. Catch Agla Station Adulthood every Thursday on the IBM app, the IBM website or wherever else you get your podcasts.